four is where we're going to start um, eventually, as we found out in the last service, and we're going to jump around a lot, a ton. Um, let me say this, it's great to be back. Um, I'm excited to be back after some weeks off. We're done with our Armor Bearer series. Um, didn't the staff do an incredible job the past several weeks? Weren't they, weren't they awesome? Whether it be Melissa with Jeremy or Chelsea or John or Pastor Gary, um, them, them stepping up and stepping in, um, with, them, with them doing that, I was able, you'll hear um, a lot about this as we head into January, um, but I was actually able um, to map out all of the sermon series is for 2021 over the past several weeks. Um, I was also able to do some small uh, vision casting, and I say small uh, because we don't know what, what the months ahead of us are going to bring. Um, we're trusting that things are going to get back to normal and all of that other stuff. Um, but we're, we're, we're thinking through some events and some stuff that we're going to do. Um, and so it should, should be a lot of fun. Um, it was an incredibly productive time for me um, to be able to, to get away. And I didn't get away, get away like I had originally planned. Um, I was afraid to get on a plane because of masks and, and, and all the other stuff. And then some things where I wanted to go didn't really pan out. But just being able just to be here um, and to lock away and to do that was awesome. And so um, next week, uh, because Thanksgiving is over, and now you can officially set up Christmas stuff, right? Um, how, many of you, how many of you set up Christmas stuff before Thanksgiving? This isn't your church. Um, <laughs> just kidding, uh, but not. Uh, the rest of us who are normal, you can set your stuff up now. Um, next week, we start our Christmas series um, called Christmas Fits, and um, we're talking about like how we're the misfit toys and, and all of that other stuff. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I think it's going to be really helpful, um, super practical. Um, it's stuff that all of us deal with on a consistent basis over the holidays. Um, I'm super, super, super excited about our Christmas series and our Christmas services, which, by the way, as of right now, um, they are uh, they're December 19th and 20th. That's when our Christmas services will be. They will be Saturday night and Sunday morning. Um, we don't have the times locked down yet. We also... Um, are kind of working through some things. Um, usually they're identical as far as our kids' programs go and stuff like that. Um, we're working through some of those things. So this week, um, we'll be solidifying um, all of our times, whether it'll be two on Saturday, two on Sunday, or three on Sunday, or however we've, we've got to do it. Um, if we're going to if we're going to, um, I, I don't know, lots of stuff I probably shouldn't even say because I don't even know. And you'd be like, oh, that's what they're doing. And, and I don't know. Uh, but we'll have all, all that squared away um, this week. So uh, you should see posts about it on Facebook, emails about it. And by sure, um, for next Sunday, we'll have invite cards and things like that for you. Um, today's message is kind of a standalone message. It's kind of a, um, a bridge message between armor bearers and our Christmas um, series. And it's, it's actually... Um, Kind of, kind of going through it, it's become more of a, a talk, I guess, than a sermon. Uh, this is something that I've been working through and thinking about for the past several weeks, and, and I've had to refine um, over and over again for time purposes. Um, let me kind of set it up like this. Every single person in here have had people make assumptions about you uh, that are true, right, or not true, um, or there's, there's things about you, I guess, that people... Um, have not believed, right? Or there's things about you that, that people don't know. You, you know what I'm talking about? And, and it's, not like, it's not like you do it because you want to keep it a secret. It's just because it doesn't naturally come out in conversation. It's just not like one of your main talking points. For example, some things that you don't know about me. Um, at one point, this was very, very, very early in my walk with Jesus, um, I was in a band that tried to do Christian music. And looking back on it, it was bad. 
It was embarrassing. And I'm so incredibly thankful that social media didn't exist back then. How many of you that are like around my age are happy that social media didn't exist when you were a teenager or you were in college or you were like, yeah, like, that, I'm not, like both of my hands should be up. Um, it, was, it was bad. <laughs> we, we were called, this is the name of the band, Chucklehead, Scotty, and the Fabulous Pez Dispensers. I was Chucklehead, there was a Scotty, and there were two other dudes that were Pez Dispensers. And we were Christians, and so we were sober when we came up with that name. And so I have like no idea what it was. Um, we played two official gigs, and as you can expect, they were not well attended, but we got paid. And so that's something, I guess. We got paid for doing it. Um, another thing that you might know about me, um, some of you might know this, others if you're new to Central, you don't know this. Um, my wife Mary and I used to do a stage size illusion show. Um, as a matter of fact, that's how, that's how Jeremy Yoder and I met. Jeremy was here in week number one with Melissa. Um, you see him every couple of months. He's our worship consultant. Very, very, very good friend of mine. And, um, and I was invited to do close-up magic um, at a music festival in Indianapolis. And, and my job was I was supposed to go from tour bus to tour bus um, and do coin tricks and card tricks and weird stuff like pulling string out of my eyelid and stuff like that. Um, but we used to do... Um, big stage shows. Mostly we would just go to churches and do it, um, but I used to cut her in half and catch her on fire. It was awesome. She doesn't like getting caught on fire now. I tried it the other night. Any, anyway, um, <laughs> catching paintballs in my mouth, all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, we, have, we have retired and have like no interest at all in coming back. Like there's just so much work and it's so hard and you got to practice and I'm not one for practice. And so, um, so we used to do that. Another thing um, you may not know about me, and this is just, like, lately I've noticed this about me. And I don't know if it's because I'm getting older, um, and, and as you get older, you get more grumpy, and you get more just agitated. I, I don't know. But, but I, am, I am noticing um, that I'm a bit of an introvert. Now, I said that recently to a group of people, and there was a lady who literally laughed out loud. And I was like, ma'am, this is like my therapy session that wasn't like a laughing point right there like there'll be other points you can laugh and stuff but but not right there but but I'm an I'm I'm, I'm really really beginning to think that I'm like an introvert when I meet somebody for the first time like I kind of shut down because I think I'm like introverted I, I like if I walk into a room and it's crowded I don't know about you um but I go into the corner with my back against the wall kind of survey the crowd, see if there's somebody that I know, and if there's somebody that I know, and then I'll go latch onto them, and I'll talk to them, and, and, and then I kind of, then I'll kind of loosen up a little bit. Now, when I say that, people don't believe it, because people will always say, oh my gosh, when you come on stage and you preach, you just come alive, and you're so natural, and it just flows out of you. Well, that's because I've worked on this thing for like 25 or 30 hours, man. Like, like I'm prepared when I come out here. But listen, after I get done preaching, I just want to go into a room and hide and listen to some music or watch TV and chill or something. And it's not because I don't like people. Like, I love people. I love what I do. But I think deep down, um, I'm becoming more of an introvert. Now, I say that because people um, come up to me and, and say things all the time like, hey, hey, Pastor, can we get together and can we have some coffee? And um, first of all, if I have drank all the coffee that people have offered to buy me over the years, um, my heart would have exploded like a thousand times by now. It's like, I can't drink that much coffee. Nobody can. You, you just can't. Um, but I usually tell people that the reason that I can't meet or I'm busy or whatever is, is because if you met me, like, one-on-one, -on -one, I'm a... I'm not fun. Like, I'm an awkward conversation. I, I don't know you. I don't, if, I, if, I, if I don't know you, 
like, I'm just, I'm an introvert. Um, with all of that, I started thinking, um, coming, I'm coming up on the end of nine years here at Central Church. Like, this week, like Thanksgiving weekend, nine years ago, was my first trip to Carroll. Um, and then in January, um, we, we hit the ground running of the job. But, but recently, I started thinking about the conversations that I've had over the years as a pastor. And I started thinking about that, 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 that idea of what would I want you to know? If I could sum up like, like all of the things, like if we could sit down and we could have a cup of coffee, or if I could have lunch with you, and if I have lunch with you, where are we going? You said it, I didn't, all right? Just so you know, I don't say it every week. I don't, you just did. Um, but what would I say to you? Like what would I want you to know as your pastor? And every conversation that I've gone through in my mind fits within these categories, with a few exceptions. Um, I originally had a list of 15 things. I got that down to seven. And for time purposes, and hopefully we get through them all in this service, um, I, I got it down to five. Five things I would say to you. We could sit down and we could have a cup of coffee or we could have lunch or, or whatever. These, these are things that I would want you to know. If you're a note taker, you can write these down. Um, number one, I would tell you, I want you to take your next step. I do. I want you to take your next step. When it comes to you, and your personal journey with Jesus. When it comes to me and my personal journey with Jesus, I want for all of us to just take our next step. When I first became a Christian, um, when I began to follow Jesus, I attended a church that was hyper-focused on religious activity. It was a great church, but it was all about activity. It was all about, you have to do this, you have to do this, you can't do this, you gotta do this, you gotta do this. And so when I became a Christian, it was like, hey, here's a Bible, you're gonna have to read about five chapters of this thing a day. I do what? You gotta read like you, you just gotta read every day five chapters. If you're not reading five chapters, you're not doing it right. O okay. And here's a prayer list, and we need you to take this prayer list, and we need you to pray for all of these things. I'm like, I, I don't know how to pray. And this is a true story. I told this guy, I was like, I don't, I don't really know how to pray. And, and so he gave me a, a sheet with how to pray on it, and on it was the acrostic acts. Anybody remember that? Any, anybody? And, and, and it was this is how you pray. It was adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And I'm like. I don't even, like, what? I don't even know what supplication is. He's like, I don't either, but this is what you need to do. You need to do this. And listen, after you do that, here are the activities that you need to go to. Here are the church activities you need to go to. Here are the worldly activities you, you can't go to. And this is what you need to eat, and this is what you don't need to eat. And this is what you need to drink, and this is what you don't need to drink. And you can go here, but you can't go here. And you can do this, and you can't do that. And, and, and it became super awkward and super confusing and super weird, and it was incredibly frustrating. And, and listen, I got so so busy trying to be a good Christian, I had no time to follow Jesus. And, and that's where we get if we're not careful. Because listen, don't miss this. We can get so wrapped up in spiritual activity that we don't experience any maturity. Because think about this. We, look in the Bible. As you look in the Bible, the, the most spiritually active people were the Pharisees. And they were the ones who actually killed Jesus. Because, see, when we get immersed in activity, apart from intimacy, it always produces pride and arrogance in our life. Always. When, when, when we get immersed in activity, apart from intimacy, it always, 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 always leads to pride and arrogance. And so we've got to be really careful when it comes to that stuff. And, and, and listen, I know what you're probably thinking. Are you saying not to read your Bible? No, I'm not saying that. I'm the read your Bible 10 minutes a day guy, right? Hey, read your Bible 10 minutes a day. Read your Bible 10 minutes a day. Get the Dwell app. Let somebody else read it to you. But spend time in the Word. Like, I'm always saying that. Are, 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 we, are we not supposed to pray? Are you saying, no. Are you saying we're not supposed to do blind? Like, I'm not saying any of that. Here's what I'm saying. The most spiritual thing that any of us can do, 
The most spiritual thing any of us can do is figure out what our next step is and take it. That's the most spiritual thing that you can do today. Figure out what your next step is and then take it. Because I believe that that's what Jesus would want us to do. Look at the invitation that Jesus has for all of us. It's not a list of rules. It's not a list of demands. This is what he says in Matthew 4.18. He walks up to two brothers. This is Peter and Andrew. All right, Jesus, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting the net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Look at this. This is all Jesus says to them. Jesus just rolls up on these two dudes who are fishing and says, Come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, at once. Circle that, underline that in your Bible, in your outline, whatever you got, write it on your hand. Remember that. At once... They left their nets and followed him. This is fascinating because, see, Jesus didn't walk up to Peter and go, Hey, Petey, here's the deal. I want you to come and follow me, and you can bring your brother along. But, but, but here's the thing. Hey, Pete, we're going to do some really good things, and there's going to be some bad things that happen. Actually, there's going to be some tension between me and you. I'm going to rebuke you. At one point, I'm actually going to call you Satan. Listen, dude. You're going to deny me, and then you're going to feel really bad about it, and they're going to crucify you upside down. What do you think, Pete? You in? No. Get away, man. We're fishing. Peter doesn't sign that contract, right? I'm not signing up for that. You're not signing up with it for that. But that's what happens. Like, 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 we, we, know, we know the rest of the story. Like We understand Peter ultimately wound up giving his life for Jesus. But Peter didn't have the Bible. Peter didn't get to see what happened to him. But the call, the call, this is what's important, the call the call wasn't, hey, Pete, here's all the things I want you to come and do, Peter, and if you do all these things and you do them the right way, then you could be my disciple. No, 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 no. The call was, follow me. Just follow me. Because Jesus knew that if Peter followed him, eventually he would give his life for him. But it didn't start out with a list of demands. It was like, hey, come on, man. I just want you to follow me. I just want you to spend some time with me. Here's another example. We've talked about this before, but this is fascinating to me. Matthew. Matthew's a tax collector, which we don't even have an equivalent for what, like, for the modern day of, of what, like, how just morally jacked up a tax collector would have been 2,000 years ago. And Jesus walks up to Matthew, and Jesus could have walked up to him in his tax collector booth and, and said, hey, what you're doing is wrong. Stop it. Jesus could have said, you need to knock it off now. And, and listen, he would have been right. He had every right to do that, but he didn't. Look what Jesus says to Matthew. And um, Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. And, and so he's watching him. Don't miss this. He's watching him in the act of sin. I don't have time to get into this this morning, but that is huge. He's watching him sin. This is like the scene from Joe Dirt where Joe's mom says, is that what you want to be caught doing when Jesus comes back? Like, this isn't what you want to be caught doing when Jesus comes back. And Jesus walks up to him and sees, and he doesn't say stop. He doesn't say knock it off. What does he say? Follow me. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Now, now listen, we don't know when Matthew stopped collecting taxes. We just know he started following Jesus. A lot of people, I've, I've heard preachers preach on this, and they're like, he left everything. And he became a morally upstanding citizen. You don't know that. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible just says he got up, took his step, and followed him. It doesn't say he left his business. 
We don't know when Matthew stopped collecting taxes. We just know when he took his next step and started following Jesus. Because see, here's the thing that I believe. Jesus knows that if we will follow him step by step, eventually we will become who we need to be. And if there's something we need to walk away from, eventually we'll walk away from it because we're following Jesus. We're not following the things of the world. We're following Jesus. Because ultimately, he leads us away from things that are destructive and always leads us towards things that are good. Right? Here, here's another story, and, and, and I bring this up because this is really interesting. The first time I read this story, I was like, dang, Jesus is a little harsh. Like, Jesus is mean. Like, I want you to, I want you to watch what happens in this story, all right? But keep in mind what, what we just talked about. We saw Peter take his next step. We saw his brother Andrew take his next step, right? They both followed him. We see Matthew take his next step. Well, there's another guy that he says, follow me too. This is in Luke uh, 9, chapter, verse 59. He saw another man, follow me. Like, that's his call, right, to all of us. That, that over and over and over and over and over again in Scripture. It's that simple. Follow me. Just follow me. That's what he wants us to do. Follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. First time I read that, I was like, dang, that's harsh. Like, dude, he just wants to go bury his dad. He just wants to go to his dad's funeral. But if you study this out, in, in that cultural context, that's not what's going on here. Like, this guy's dad wasn't dead. In this culture, when your dad died, you got an inheritance. And so what this guy is saying is like, ah, I don't know, Jesus. See, I got some money coming my way. I got some land coming my way. I got some stuff coming my way. And so right now is not the most convenient time in my life to take my next step. And so what's going to happen, what I'm going to need to do is I'm going to wait till my daddy dies. And when daddy dies, I'm going to bury him, and then I'll circle back around, and we'll talk about this follow me thing. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Follow me now. That's your next step now. And this guy had an excuse as to why he could not follow Jesus, why he could not take his next step. Now think about this, because this is huge, 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 huge. Jesus called Peter, and he took his next step. Jesus called Andrew, and he took his next step. Jesus called Matthew, and he took his next step. What's this guy's name? Don't nobody know, right? And it's not because he was evil, and it's not because he's bad, and it's not necessarily because he had all of his sin in his life. It's simply because he decided, life is good right now where I'm at. D do you see that? Th that's what's going on in this story. Now, this is the question people ask me all the time when we talk about next steps. What's my next step? Hey, Pastor, what's my next step? What's my next step, Ryan? I don't know. I have no idea. But here's what I know. God wants you to know your next step more than you want to know it. Like, like most people already intuitively know what their next step is. They, they, can, just, they can just feel it. Like you, you, just, you just know. Like you know what you have to do. But people, people ask me all the time, well, what's your next step? Like if you're talking all the time, I've got to take a next step. What's your next step, Ryan? Uh, I'm in the middle of it right now. Um, back in March, God spoke to me um, about, about teaching at a recovery center. An opportunity came up for me to do it. Um, and, and I didn't want to. Like, it's the pandemic has started. The church was shut down at the time. The things were crazy. We didn't know what was going on. I'm super busy, getting ready to start softball. All these things are coming. I'm like, man, I, I just don't have time. And, and, and I kept, kept pushing and pushing and pushing. God's like, man, I want you to do this. I want you to do this. I want you to do this. And I don't have time to go into all of this right now. Um, but let me tell you, 
the ministry opportunities that have come out of that, the joy that has happened um, in my life from being able to go down there and do that, and the ways that I'm looking at church and how we should do church and the parallels between the two things are absolutely phenomenal. But if I wouldn't have said yes and taken that step, I, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. I'm going to talk to you a lot about that next year as we go into January, and I'll, I'll tell you some stories about it. But here, here's the deal. At the end of the day, I'm telling you, if you know what your next step is, take the next step. Because, l- listen, I've said this to you before. Everybody always wants to, I want what's next. I want this. I want that. I want to do this, and I want to be this, and I want to be doing this. And, and, and how, can God, how can God trust you with what's next if you won't be obedient to what he's put in front of you right now? How's he going to take you to the next level if, if you're not going to take the step that he's placed in front of you right now? Well, it's hard, Ryan. Yes, it's hard. It's, 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 it's never easy, but it's always right. And so that next step is essential. And I don't know what it is for you. I don't. And, and listen, I'm not going to offer up suggestions because if I start throwing stuff out, like if I, we have baptism next week, or I start talking about giving or serving or growth track, you're going to go, oh, that's mine. That's mine. That's what I need to do. I need to do that. No, 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 no. You get alone with God, you ask him what your next step is, and then take it. Take it. You. You get alone with God. Don't don't come and ask me. You get alone with God, you ask him what your next step is, and then take it. Just take it, because that's essential. That's the first thing I would tell you. I want you to take your next step. Second thing I would tell you is I would tell you if you have fallen, I want you to get back up. I really do. If you have fallen, I want you to get back up. It's amazing to me. It's kind of funny and sad. The number of people who tell me, hey, man, you're really screwed up. Like, you really are a messed up person. I feel like I can identify with you. I I guess that's kind of a compliment. I don't know. But but I understand. Um, A couple of Thursdays ago, uh, it was really nice out. It was like one of the nice, like the last nice day we were going to have. And so I skipped out of here. And I went on a motorcycle ride, and I was riding around for a couple hours, and I ended up at Swan Lake. Um, now, I've been trying to exercise more. Like, one of the things um, over, over the past several weeks that I decided to do was I'm going to get back in the gym. I'm going to start, you know, I physically got to get back in shape, you know, and went through the whole for the health of the church and all this stuff and kind of went through all of those things. Um, but, but I've, like, legit been trying. And so I'm like, man, I'm out here. It's a nice day. Like, I'm not going to make it back to the gym. And so I decided, like, I'm going to walk around Swan Lake, like, on, on the path. Um, by the way, that's a really long walk. I got to what I think is, like, halfway and about called somebody to come pick me up. So uh, just, I'm just telling I got a long way to go in my get-back-in-shape thing. And, and so anyway, at one point, I'm walking, and I'm watching this guy. And he was, <laughs> he was walking and texting. You, you ever seen anybody do that? Have you ever done that? By the way, walking and texting is as bad as, as driving and texting, right? It's just as dangerous. And I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish I would have recorded this because I would have shown it right now. I'd have put it on a TikTok. I'd be TikTok famous today, baby. But, but, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't record it because I didn't expect to see what I saw. True story. The dude is walking and texting, and, I, and I'm just watching this. He's coming up on a tree. Now, I had... T- <laughs> I had two thoughts in this moment. Number one, I should yell and warn him because that's the Christian thing to do. But, but I thought, he probably knows. 
He probably knows he's coming up on a tree. Like, I can walk in text, and I can see, I can drive in text, and I can see what's going on around me, right? He probably knows. And besides, when he steps off the concrete, he's going to know he's off the concrete, and, and he's going to look up. And, and, and so I thought I should yell and warn him. But then number two, I thought, if I yell and warn him, I'm not going to get to see this. It's a true story. Now listen, when I say he walked into the tree, he didn't just walk into the tree. He like became one with the tree, man. It was awesome. It took him like 10 seconds to get untangled from this tree. And, and then as he's getting untangled, he kind of slides down and his phone slips away and he falls backwards and he just laid there for a few seconds. And I'm like, oh, dang, he might be dead. <laughs> but then like a minute later, he kind of sat up, shook his head, and he laughed at himself. And I'm kind of like, okay, good. It's, it's okay to laugh because he's laughing at himself. But here's the thing. He gets up, he kind of brushes himself off, and he reaches out, he picks up his phone, and he, he doesn't even look around. He just looks at his phone and starts texting again and walking. And I'm like, you're an idiot. Like, but, then, but then I started thinking, you know what? That's what we're supposed to do. Like, like seriously, all of us are going to fall down at some point. Every one of us is going to fall down. And when we fall down, listen, if you have fallen, li- li- listen, don't miss this. Shame and regret keep too many people away from doing what Jesus Christ has ultimately called us to do. Because the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, um, Proverbs 24, verse 16, this is one of my go-to verses. I have a bunch. Um, but, but this is one that I have to tell myself a lot. It says, for the righteous fall seven times. For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. Now, when I first became a Christian, in the environment that I learned in, we were basically told that righteous people don't fall. That if you've got sin in your, or if you have fallen, it's because you've got sin in your life. If you're struggling with something, it's because God is unhappy with you. And, and the righteous people don't fall. Righteous people don't mess up. You're not walking close enough to Jesus if you're messing up. But that's not what the Bible says, right? The Bible says, though the righteous fall seven times. Now, if I see somebody fall once, that's a problem. I see somebody fall seven times. Right? That's a huge problem. But listen, don't miss this. I think there's some significance here. The number seven in the Bible is the number of completion. And so what the Bible is saying here is, hey, even though you completely fall, even though you've fallen completely, even though you're flat on your face, the sign of a righteous person is they get back up again. And so the thing I would tell you this morning is if you're struggling and you have fallen or you're close to falling, God knows. God knows. God knows. God knows about the addiction. God knows about the affair. God knows about the abortion. God knows about the problems. God knows about the issue. God knows. And instead of sitting in shame, the Bible says the righteous person gets back up. And so if you have fallen, I get it. I understand. But get up and keep moving. Get up and take your next step. Just get up. Number three, I would tell you that I want you to be... uh, I really, 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 really want you to be a part of seeing someone give their life to Jesus. I really want you to be a part of someone giving their life to Jesus. It is absolutely, hands down, one of the coolest things in the world to experience. Um, one of the first guys, the, fir- the first guy um, that I ever, that I ever um, talked to Jesus about, saw him accept Jesus, um, was a guy named Bill. Um, but one of, the, one of the early people, um, the most memorable, this is one of the most memorable, was a guy named Frank. Now, Frank wasn't his real name. Um, that was his English name. 
He was a student um, in Qian, China, and I was there on a mission trip. Um, you know how when you take Spanish class, they have you pick a Spanish name, and that's your name for like the semester or the year or whatever? They do that in China too. Like the students that are taking English, they have them pick um, an English name, and he picked Frank. And so this is Frank right here. This is Frank. That right there next to them, that's 1999 Ryan. Like that, that's me standing next to him in China. And what I'm doing right there when we were over there, the hot thing in China at that time was the movie Titanic. Remember that? And so what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to coax Frank here into singing Celine Dion, My Heart Will Go On. Now, we're not going to turn up the volume, and we're not going to show you the other clips, um, but eventually he sings it because you can't hear because we're back there. The camera's shaking so bad because we're laughing so hard. We're like dying. Frank, in that incredible sweater that he's wearing right there, is belting out, my heart will go on, and the ladies are swooning over him. It is absolutely phenomenal. He's, he's like talking to them and stuff. He's like, and the heart will go on, ladies. I mean, it was, it was like, it was, a, it was the greatest thing ever. Um, but Frank, I'll, I'll try to keep this um, story, um, this really long story, really short. Um, I went over there. I was there for two weeks. Um, we went over um, as a relief team. Uh, I was with Campus Crusade for Christ. Uh, we went over to relieve American students who were on a one-year mission. We were supposed to support them. Um, but we were told over and over and over again, do not evangelize. Like, like the students who were over there, the Americans, were over there undercover as, as students um, trying to learn Mandarin, and they were part of the university. And what they were doing is they were trying to build relationships with Chinese students and so they could build a bridge and eventually tell them about Jesus. And so we were told over and over and over again, you are not to talk about Jesus. If you talk about Jesus, you're going to blow our cover and we're going to get sent home because you can't be a Christian in China and it's going to be really bad for us. So do not talk about Jesus. Well, here's something else you might know about me. I'm not really great at following the rules. <laughs> and, and so on about the middle of the second week, um, I was talking one night to Frank. And um, we were talking about all kinds of things, the government, just school and all this stuff. And he's talking, and I'm just, under my breath, I'm just whispering, like, God, you didn't bring me all the way over here to not talk about Jesus. And so Frank got done talking, and I started talking to Frank about Jesus. And I was talking about how Jesus Christ had changed my life and how Jesus Christ can change his life and how the things that he's struggling with, if he gave them to Jesus, Jesus could help him. And I, and I told him about how he could follow Jesus. And, and I was like, man, you say this prayer and blah, 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 blah. And we kind of went through this whole thing. Well, he didn't pray, but I prayed for him. And then he walked me back to my dorm area, which was awesome because it was like 2.30 in the morning. I had no idea where I was at. And then he went home. I went laid in my bed like all night just thinking about Frank, thinking about that conversation. I think, man, I hope I don't get people in trouble. The next morning, we're walking across campus. We were going to an event. We were, going, we were on our way to eat. And, and, and I hear, Ryan, Ryan, I said a prayer. I said a prayer. And, and I turn around, and, and everybody's looking. And here comes Frank, and he's running. I know Jesus. I know Jesus. And he's so excited, and everyone's like, shh, shh quiet and they kind of huddle him up and he's like I said a prayer I know Jesus I know Jesus I know Jesus and everybody's looking at me like they were going to kill me but it was awesome there was so much I could tell you about Frank um, but in the coming years he was incredibly influential for that ministry on that campus as they saw hundreds hundreds of students follow Jesus 
Um, Frank ended up getting arrested for being a Christian, and eventually everybody lost touch with him because he was, he was shipped from jail to prison to prison and different things like that. But leading Frank to Jesus was unbelievable. It was one of the greatest experiences of my life. And so after that, I became like a witnessing machine. Like, I love telling people about Jesus. Like, I, I love talking about Jesus. I love talking about life change. I just love it. Now, I know not everybody feels like that. And I know not everybody feels like you're highly gifted in evangelism. Um, I would argue that you are. You talk about your life story. You talk about life change. But that's another message for another time. But I get it. So that is why we do church the way that we do church at Central. Because we want to create an environment where anybody can walk in the door. Republican, Democrat, Hispanic, black, white, sinner or saint. Doesn't matter. Because for real, I get it. You're probably never going to walk up to some random stranger and say, if you died tonight, where would you spend eternity? Because that's a weird conversation to start, right? I mean, that, 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 that's weird. But what if? What if you could invite them to a place where, where listen, a, a place where the only thing that can offend them is the cross of Jesus, not the person wearing one. You, you know what I'm saying? A place where they can hear the message of Jesus and be changed. Let me show you what I'm saying. Jesus said this in, in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. He said, go out into all the world and preach to all creation. Now, when he said that, like, the disciples, the group of people he's saying that to, they had no idea. How are we, how are we going to reach the whole world? How are we going to preach to all creation? Because think about this. If they wanted to go to the whole world, they'd have to get on a boat, and they'd have to sail, or they'd have to walk thousands and thousands of miles and stuff. Today, we can reach the entire world with a text message. And, and, and seeing, like, like, technology being used to actually advance the kingdom is an unbelievable privilege that we have. And so at the end of the day, Central Church has, within its core, a desire to create an environment where anybody, anybody, everybody say anybody, where anybody can walk in that door. Anybody can walk through those doors. And when they come in, hopefully over time, meet Jesus and have a life-changing encounter with him. I'm telling you, if you invite that person and you see that person meet Jesus and you see them change, it's one of the greatest things on the planet to experience because it goes beyond this planet. It's eternal, and it is awesome. And so I would tell you, I want you to be a part of someone giving their life to Jesus. Number four, I would tell you that I want you to feel safe enough to be honest about where you are. I want you to feel safe enough to be honest about where you are. Now, I'm a man, and all men have a couple of things in common. First off, when we're driving and we're lost, we won't admit it. If you do admit it, I question your manhood, right? And second, when we're lost and we won't admit that we're lost, we drive faster because we figure if we drive faster, eventually we'll drive out of our lostness, right? Am I right, man, yes or no? Yeah, only a few of you are going to be honest. Um, one time I got lost in Detroit. We're driving around, and, and we were lost, man. And, and I'm just like driving faster, driving faster, trying to figure out. I figured if I take enough right turns, eventually we'll turn. We'll find out exactly where we are, and we'll get back to where we're at. And so the people that are with me, I've got like four people in the car with me, and they're like, man, you need to stop. You need to ask for directions because we're in Detroit, man, and things are getting like, like this isn't, this is, this, just pull over and ask. And so I finally pull over, and I go into the gas station, and I'm like, hey, man, I'm trying to get here. And this guy goes, oh, you are like way off course. And I'm like, oh, 
can you not like tell those people in the car out there? Because it was embarrassing because I had just kept driving faster because I was so lost. And he was like, hey, this is what you need to do. And he gave me this list of instructions on how to get to where we needed to go. And the only thing that I really remember, he's like, hey, you go up here two blocks, you take a right. And, and, and then you're going to drive through two stop signs. You're going to come to two stop signs and a stoplight. And then you make a left. And you're going to see two more stop signs and a stoplight. He goes, he goes, hey, when you get to those stop signs, don't stop. And when you come to that light, if it's red, don't stop. Just drive right through it. Like you were in the wrong part of town, boy. And so I got out, and then I had an excuse to drive fast. And I was like, oh, it's crazy, man. But it's the same thing. It's the same thing in the church world. Um, the other day, I was listening to a guy preach. And he said, church people are the least likely people to admit that they have a problem. And, and then he, he just kept going. Like he made that point like it must have been in their outline or something. And they wrote it down. And, and then he just went on to point number seven or whatever. And I'm on the treadmill. And I'm listening to this message. And I'm like, dude, you, you need to complete the thought. Like, like there's more to that. Because that's kind of true. That statement's true church people are the least likely people to admit that they have a problem but i believe the reason why is because they've seen what happens in church when church people admit that they have a problem C can we be honest enough about that today church people won't admit that they've got a problem because they saw what happened to the last guy who said that he had a problem they saw what happened to the last guy who said he had an issue they saw what happened to the last lady who said she had an issue they just disappear like nobody knows like like the fbi can't find these people like, they just disappear from church. And so because of that, in church culture, we feel like we've got to put on this front. Even if everything is falling apart on the inside, we pretend like everything is okay because we don't want to admit that we've got a problem. But listen, you can't get well until you admit that you're sick. Take it from me. This is my world. I know. I know from what I've seen and from what I have personally experienced. You can't get well until you admit that you're sick. There's a story in the Bible, this is one of my favorites, I know I say that all the time, but how, how awful would it be if it was like, oh, I hate this story, I can't stand it. Anyway, Mark chapter 10, uh, there's a story about a guy named Bartimaeus, I love this. Um, to set this up, Jesus and, and the disciples, are, they're walking to Jericho, Jericho is known as a cursed city, and I can't get into this, like, I just, there's so much in this that we can't preach about this morning, but, but what we can see and what we can take from this is, as Jesus walking towards, towards what's cursed, it should be incredibly encouraging for us that Jesus doesn't avoid us, that Jesus walks towards us. Anyway, um, they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leading the city, a blind man, so Bartimaeus is blind. Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, I love this, I love this, I love this, I love this. Don't miss this. Bartimaeus was blind. He couldn't see. That's what happens when you're blind, right? But you know what he had? He had ears, and he had a mouth. And so instead of complaining to Jesus about what he didn't have, he used what he had to get closer to Jesus. I can't see him. I can't see him, but I, but, I, but I can hear about him, and I can speak to him. And so instead of making excuses, he made an effort. People who make excuses never make an effort, period. They just don't. Look at this. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet because the religious crowd will always shut you down if you're trying to get better. Oh, th think about that for a while. But he shouted all the more. Like they tried to shut him down, but dude got louder. Now think about this. What if he were to listen to them? What if he were to listen to them? Man, I, 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 I better be quiet. I want them to like me. 
I, I, I need to get invited to the next party. I, I need to stay inside this friend circle. I, I, don't want them, I don't want them talking about me. What if he were to listen to him, to, to them? He would have spent the rest of his life being blind just to be accepted. Pretty high price to pay for acceptance, right? That's another message for another time, too. He shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man. Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. See how quickly the crowd changes? Shut up. Oh, my gosh, get up, man. He's calling you. It's like super bipolar crowd. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. I, I love this. I laugh every time I read this. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. He's blind. Jesus, what the heck do you think he wants you to do, man? Like, seriously. But I don't know. Jesus asks us that all the time because he needs us to say it. Well, he doesn't need us. He wants us to say it. Watch what he says. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Now, notice he didn't say, uh, Jesus, I'm having some trouble with my sight. Jesus, I'm having some vision problems. Hey, Jesus, I need a new cane in order to navigate my way through life. Do you have a little money? Times are tough. He didn't say that. He could have. He could have asked for all of those things. But instead he says, hey, listen, dude, I got a problem. And my problem is I'm blind and I want to see. And look at this, verse 52. Go, Jesus said, your faith has healed you. Immediately, when? Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. He got well because he was willing to admit that he was blind. We can't get right with God until we're willing to admit what's wrong. Don't miss that. We're not going to get right with God until we're willing to admit what is wrong. And I just want you to feel the freedom to be able to do that here. I, I want this to be a place where anybody, there it is again, right? Anybody can walk in and where people can say, hey, how you doing? And you can feel the freedom to say, oh, that sucks right now. And when that happens, we don't automatically send you out to get the demons cast out of you. We sit down and we say, you know what? Mine too. I get it. Let's talk about that over some coffee. I want you to feel safe enough to be able to be honest about where you are. Number five, I would tell you, and, and I want you to listen to me on this because this is huge. It's huge. I'm going to tell you this, and we're going to circle back around to number one. I really, 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 really want you, I really need you to understand I'm not perfect. I'm not. I'm not. And, and, listen, I've said this for years, but I really, I really want you to get this. From day one of me coming here, this was a different experience, me coming here. Um, we could go into all of this stuff. I could tell you about other churches that, that wanted me and, and all of these other things and how I didn't really want to come to Iowa. And so I just, I was just like, hey, if I come to this place, here's the deal. Like, I'm going to be open and honest and real and transparent all the time with this church. I'm not going to pretend to be somebody that I'm not. And that's not just in the church. That's outside of these walls, too. And sometimes that's hard because everybody, everybody loves to hear, um, I'm the pastor that's not perfect. I'm the pastor that got the speeding ticket. I'm the pastor that messes. Like, we love the fact that we have a pastor who's not perfect until you find out that I'm really not. Because at the end of the day, I don't know if you're like this or not, but at the end of the day, I hate disappointing people. And I disappoint people all the time because they expect me to be something that I'm not. Like, for instance, like I'll, I'll be at the gym and somebody will come up to me and like, Oh, Pastor Ryan, so good to see you here. Like, I, I, see, you're, I see you're listening to music, and, and I'm trying to get better in, in what I listen to. And so, Pastor Ryan, like, what's on your workout playlist? 
<laughs> I was like, this is going to be so bad. Because I, I don't, are you listening to Third Day? Are you listening to like, you know, they send out the Saturday set list? Are you listening to all those songs? Are you getting yourself pumped up for Sunday morning? <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> listening to Metallica and NWA and Poison and Run DMC and the Beastie Boys and Guns and Roses. And they're always like, <gasps> oh my gosh. <laughs> It's not Christian music. I can't believe. And then I have to give the whole thing like, hey, Jesus didn't die for music, and i got to explain all that, and it gets awkward. Or somebody will ask me, they'll be like, Pastor Ryan, what's your favorite movie? And I start talking about movies where people get killed a lot, like Braveheart and Gladiator and The Patriot, or there's a lot of cussing, like Shawshank Redemption or something just dumb and stupid like Tommy Boy. And they're like, Or, here's a good one. People be like, hey, what are you binging on TV right now? Right? Like, hey, Pastor, what are you watching on Netflix? Tiger King. I saw a tiger. A tiger saw a man. Like, that's on my playlist. It's just it. I get, listen, listen, listen. I'm not perfect. I am not perfect. Just ask my wife. She'll tell you, uh-uh, dude ain't perfect. Chloe, ask her. She's sitting there. Uh, <laughs> Chloe, am I perfect? Oh, come on, girl. Give me like, yes. She's supposed to be like, yes, Father, you are. I'm not perfect. I'm not. And I've never claimed to be. And, and the reason I'm saying this, th- here, here's the thing. The reason I'm saying this is because if you're looking for a church that has a morally superior pastor, I ain't your guy. I'm not. I struggle just like everybody else. A couple of weeks ago, it was on that same Thursday, I'm riding that motorcycle, someone, I'm riding down 30, someone pulled out a Taco John's right in front of me. I had to lock up the brakes. I mean, lock them down. I got a little bit sideways. And as I hit the brakes, something flew out of my mouth that I can't say right now because I'm trying to keep this PG. But it was not, praise the Lord, <laughs> hashtag blessed. It was not that. And it just, it just flew out. <laughs> and as it came out, I was like, Oh, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And that's in my heart. Gosh, man, I got so much work to do. So that's me. You got the pastor that cusses in traffic sometimes, like sometimes, I guess. Listen, listen. I don't have everything together. I, I don't. But I promise you, promise you, I promise you, I promise you, every single day when I wake up, my goal is to simply take my next step. The Apostle Paul, listen, I'm even the same category as the Apostle Paul, all right? So, like, I struggled, like, even putting these two points together. I mean, the Apostle Paul, they would take his clothes, and they would just touch somebody that was sick, and they would be healed. If you take this and touch somebody, they're just going to stink. Like, that's it. Like, it's gross and nasty. I'm not even in his category. But the reason I bring that up is, is the Apostle Paul, he said this about himself. He says this in Philippians 3. He says, not that I have already obtained this. He's he's the Apostle Paul, right? The Apostle Paul. Dude's traveling around, planting churches, leading people to Jesus. I mean, it's just phenomenal. And the Apostle Paul says, I am not where I need to be. And so translation for us today, if the Apostle Paul said that, that he's not where he needs to be, then, then neither am I. Neither are you. Neither are any of us. Not that I have already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Paul said, I press on. I 
press on, press on, press on. And the guarantee that I can make you today is I will never, ever, ever be morally superior. But every day when I wake up, I'm going to give it my best shot. So circles around to this. What about you? What kind of shot are you going to give it today? What's your next step in your walk with Jesus? What is it? What is your next step? For some people, it might be to receive Jesus. Uh, others, li- listen, I'm not going to throw out suggestions because I believe that the majority of us, we already know. It's just acting on what we know that takes us to our next place in our journey with Jesus. What is that spark? What is that thing that needs to, to be in to, to create contagion inside of you, as Pastor Gary talked about at the end of last week's service? What is it? What is your next step? You don't know? Get alone with God and ask him. And when he tells you, you need to take it. These are things that, that I find are very important for our walk with Jesus. If I was sit down and we were able to have coffee or lunch, there are five things I would tell you. Let's stand and let's sing.